Welcome, everyone, to the Bread of Life. I trust God will exalt His truth before you in our time together. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, Executive Director of the International Discipling Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work here and abroad, go to breadoflifeboise.org, and you'll find all the necessary links. Now, let's turn to our time in God's Word. Luke's gospel begins with a careful introduction. Luke wants the reader to know that he is giving the facts to them, and that these facts, known and believed, make those accepting them slaves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the title they embrace, slaves. And Luke wants us to know that this record is perfect. It's more than a human document. God aided the setting down of these facts just for us. It's just an interesting contrast from the kinds of names that are used for leaders nowadays in the church. I actually tried to go and find some on the internet, and I was trying to find just some that are relative to our own community, and I couldn't, but I found some stuff. But what really struck me was I found this little treatise written for the Orthodox Church on how they were to address the spiritual leaders in the Orthodox Church. I thought I would read it to you. I want you to consider it in contrast to under rowers. This is what I read. When we address deacons or priests, we should use the title Father. Bishops we should address as Your Grace. Though all bishops, including patriarchs, are equal, they do have different honors that accrue to their rank. Thus, Your Eminence is the proper title for bishops with suffragans and assistant bishops and metropolitans and most archbishops. Among the exceptions to this rule is the Archbishop of Athens, who is to be addressed as your beatitude. Your beatitude is the proper title for patriarchs, except for the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople, who is to be addressed as your all-holiness. When we approach an orthodox presbyter or bishop, but not a deacon, we make a bow by reaching down and touching the floor with our right hand, and then placing our right hand over our left palms upward and say, Bless, Father or bless your grace, or bless your eminence, or bless your all-holiness. The priest or bishop then answers, May the Lord bless you, blesses us with the sign of the cross, places his right hand in our hands, then we may kiss his hand. Under rowers, slaves of the gospel, the word of Jesus Christ. That was the impact of the facts upon their life. We need to somehow sort out all of the ornamentation of our Christian faith that we've allowed to creep in. You know, We see it particularly highlighted at times like Christmas and Easter. And we need to settle down upon the facts. The fullness of Christ revealed to us. Be ones who examine them and then being convinced of them become slaves under rowers to the facts. Oh, excellent Theophilus, this is what you need to know. The third thing is this. Luke just wants us to understand that he has secured and put in order the witness of these individuals by his own investigation, by his own autopsy, might say, and by God's inspiration for Theophilus and for our benefit. He has secured and put in order these things by his investigation and by God's inspiration for Theophilus and our benefit. 
Here are Luke's sources. They are the primary first-person witnesses from the very inception of the gospel who studied Christ's life and now speak of that word and of his fulfillment of salvation. They're Paul, who Luke accompanied with and was with at his death in Rome. He was also with, by the way, at that time, Mark. Mark, who had been with Peter and had written out his gospel from Peter's own witness, and Mark, who was there in the early church and possibly was there even before Christ died and rose from the grave, he has Mark's witness. Luke travels with Paul all the way back to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem when the Jews try to hang Paul and kill him, and Paul escapes, but it's there in Jerusalem that we can imagine that Luke encounters the various individuals who are trying to compile accounts of their experiences with Christ and the things they've heard from eyewitnesses. And Luke gathers together all this information that's been written down, but then he also goes and visits them. You can imagine. Luke is interviewing Mary. And Mary is sharing with him her account and her experience. And Luke is interviewing John and various members of Christ's earthly family. And those individuals who have possibly been healed by him and the man who has stepped out and bore his cross for him and in his travels he encounters these individuals who have become slaves of Jesus Christ and as a result have gone out into the blood flow of the witness of the gospel that's going out to the ends of the earth. And as he's traveling these ways, by the way, when you get into missionary work is you find that the world becomes small. You start meeting people and you connect with people who have worked all over the world and you start tracing it back. You discover you have things in common that you know the same individual they know and you had another experience with them and you share your stories together and this is the early church. It's only been 30 years since Christ has risen from the grave and ascended into heaven. They've gone out working and Luke meets and knows these individuals. He sees the notes they've written down and he interviews and he investigates it and he studies it. These are the accounts, the eyewitnesses that stand behind the facts that he's written down. He doesn't just write them down. He investigates it himself. He squares all the stories up. He does his own study of the facts. He says, I did this because I want this word that I'm writing to you to be secured for you. I know that memories can be faulty. I know that records that people write can be changed. I know that tradition can creep in. I know that it can be passed on, and if you keep passing it on, the story can change, and so I'm going to go back to these first persons. I'm going to secure for you the story and writing. I'm going to write it all down for you. More than this, though, not only is this done by his own investigation, but Luke tells us something here that would indicate that he knows that God is inspiring the word he's writing, that God is the one that's behind it, crafting it and putting it all together, securing it so that it's perfect. It seemed good to me, he writes, having had a perfect understanding, that sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Of all things from the very first, well, let's go back at this and look at it. Maybe it won't seem quite as arrogant. The word there, from the very first, is the Greek word anothen. It's a word that can be translated from the very first, but is more often translated in the New Testament as from above. Some individuals had a hard time writing from above because they said they make the comment that none of the writers of the gospel ever made their own personal declaration that their word was inspired. Not exactly true, but with that prejudice in mind, they decided they couldn't translate it as meaning from above. They translated it from the very first. But anothen in Greek means from above. You find it used in John chapter 3, verse 31. There's where Nicodemus comes to the Lord Jesus and Jesus tells him he must be born again. 
And Nicodemus says, well, how can I be born again? I can't re-enter my mother's womb. And Jesus says, you must be born again from above. Anuthan has to be something that's bestowed down upon you from heaven itself. James writes about it in James chapter 3, verses 15 and 17. James talks about the wisdom that is from above. The wisdom, he says, that actually comes down from above. It's from heaven. If that's the meaning of the word, and I think it is, then what he's saying is I have a perfect understanding of all things from above, coming to me from above. God is the one who's inspiring and directing me in what I wrote. By the way, Paul understood that. Paul, when he was writing to the people in Corinth, at one point in time says, now listen, I say this a bit of advice to you. This is not God, this is me saying it to you. And he gives a little bit of advice about how young men ought to treat marriage. But it's not the Spirit, it's me saying this. That's interesting. Why would Paul have to say that? Can you imagine if I said that to you? Now look, at this is just me talking here. It's not God speaking to you, it's me. It's kind of arrogant, unless Paul knew that what he was teaching and saying was the inspired Word of God. And Paul did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, Paul says this to the Corinthians. If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge or admit that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. God's word. And so Luke understands the same thing. Listen, these are the facts that have been fulfilled among us and we have fully believed them, not without our own investigation and consideration, and now we are servants of it, And I have myself gone back and explored these things and studied these things and investigated myself following the example of the early apostles. But also you need to know something. Where other men were just writing down their accounts and trying to get together all this information, I had help. God from above was communicating truth to me. He was confirming it and bringing it all together so it fit in one beautiful orderly account. This is God's word, most excellent Theophilus. Consider it as you read it. And know that all this is written to secure this word for you. It's secure. That's what it means by you may know with certainty. I think Theophilus already knows with certainty. He's just saying, no, it's secured now. It's been written down for you. So what is this all for? It's so that Theophilus may know that this word has been carefully passed on to him and so that we may know the same. Luke says, as you read this account, be comforted in knowing that it's been secured for your consideration by eyewitnesses through careful analysis, by their careful investigation into the person of Jesus Christ, by my own careful investigation and study, and most importantly, by God's own guiding hand. This is his word brought forth by his spirit. These are not just the facts. These are the facts God, by Spirit, wanted to be known by you. Now, with that in mind, take up this book and read it. With that in mind, take up the Christmas story and consider it. See it pulsating with fact, with life, with reality. A reality that you and I celebrate. It is the very simple history of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. It seems odd, O God, that we should pray and ask that you would drain from us 
sentimental faith, just an emotional attachment uh, tied to songs that we've sung since childhood. We don't disapprove of our memories. We thank you for them. They were good and they were sweet. But they're not necessary. And they can be unhelpful. They can be a distraction. If they color our Savior as anything different than flesh and blood, if they turn the facts into some kind of hue of magical mystery and not the labored breath of real life, we thank you, O God, that your Son came and he came before those who were cynics and skeptics who explored and considered and weighed before they discovered and became convinced that the fullness of all your promises were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We thank you, O God, that there were those who were there at the manger scene, those who were there as he broke bread and blessed it and multiplied it, those who were there when his own body was broken, those who were there when he rose from the grave, those who were there when he ascended into heaven. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.